0: Welcome to another episode of the BU Podcast, where light banter meets deep topics of the heart and soul. I'm your host, Chris Sirock. Welcome, my friends. Hope you're flowing with life beautifully wherever you are. My special guest today is an Akashic Record wayshower and channeler, helping you find your way to unconditional love by transcending repeating patterns and wounding in your life. She's also the host of the Heart of You podcast, which gives you the tools to move through your spiritual awakening in a way that's most aligned for you. Welcome, Annette DeLue.
1: Well, thank you so much, Chris. Thanks for having me today.
0: Yes, it's a great pleasure. I was a guest on your show and that was really exciting. So I thought we'd turn it around and this time you get to share and reflect on how far you've come mm-hmm. in. So maybe we'll start there. Is if you can go back and where did you come into yourself and what were some of the more significant moments that showed you the way?
1: Yeah. So oftentimes on this journey, we end up signing up for the antithesis of where we end up, right? (laughs) And so that's kind of where I started. So I had a childhood with a lot of codependency. There was a lot of really not knowing who I was, you know, growing up with the parents that I chose, they were very loving parents, but they came from sort of broken backgrounds, right? So there's a lot of that in the ancestral line, things like that. So I kind of set myself up in this lifetime to have these challenges early on. And the goal, I guess, in the journey was to start overcoming those challenges. Well, this is unbeknownst to me. Of course, I don't know any of this at the time. So (laughs) I just think that I'm going through all of these challenges and relationships and challenges in love and all kinds of things. And I don't understand why. And the one thing that I always wanted in my life out of anything, and I was, You know, success came pretty easily for me. Whatever I set my mind to, I could do. And for some reason, the one thing that eluded me was having like a really loving relationship with somebody, you know, who I could share my life with or something like that. I had lots and lots of friends, but that loving relationship always eluded me. So as I started going through the journey, little things started happening here and there. So First, I started having like prophetic dreams every once in a while. Then I would start seeing signs of things every once in a while. And so I would just kind of like, oh, that's kind of neat. All right, whatever, you know, kind of didn't really pay attention. Meanwhile, my sister is going through her spiritual awakening. She started really early on about the age of 18. And so she's giving me books from Deepak Chopra and Wayne Dyer and all. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's great. Thanks. Goes on the bookshelf. Don't do anything with it. Right. (laughs) So like. I'm getting all these little nuggets and signs, and I'm totally ignoring them. And then all of a sudden, just before 2012, I started just getting these visions. I started feeling really viscerally things like my empathic nature started coming in. And then I met my twin flame. And I don't know if you do. Are you familiar with twin flames, Chris?
0: Very much so.
1: Okay, so... (laughs) So I met my twin flame and for 4 years it was just topsy-turvy craziness from an emotional standpoint on my part. And I had no idea I was going through a spiritual awakening. I had no idea what a twin flame was. I hadn't even heard the term before. And all of a sudden I'm, you know, thrown into my shadow work without even realizing that's what I was doing. So that's kind of how the whole thing started and that's what Sort of jump started the trajectory of my healing journey, starting to discover who I really am, discovering all my psychic gifts, all of that. So that's kind of what jump started it.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. So for listeners who are unfamiliar with twin flames, so the concept is that there's someone out there that you run into that you feel like completes you. And there's different interpretations of it, uh, nuances. Sure. But in my experience, it's basically, there's this push-pull dynamic. So one is the chaser, the other is the runner. You're always projecting your incomplete parts of you onto the other person and mm-hmm. uh, trying to get your completion. And ultimately it's about letting go of those attachments and finding all of that, which we seek in the other person within. And and it's just the most brutal thing because you can't walk away from it. No. Um,
1: <laughs> sometimes you, uh, well, I shouldn't say sometimes, there have been oftentimes I wished that I could. Yes. And there, the funny thing is, is that the several times that I've tried, the universe has given me such em, like immense signs, like signs that are completely undeniable that I'm like, seriously universe? Like, no, no, I'm not doing this anymore. They're like, yeah, you are. I'm like, <laughs> all right, fine. <laughs> you know? And it wasn't until I started accessing the Akashic records that I started seeing like what my soul purpose is, what my life purpose was. And my, my sole purpose is to anchor unconditional love onto the planet and change relationship templates. Mm-hmm. And once I found that out, I was like, Oh, this makes so much sense. <laughs> like, you know, when you have that type of soul purpose mm-hmm. or any type of soul purpose, you're always going to go through sort of the shadow side of the light that you're going to bring. Right. So, because you have to have the context and you have to be able to help people who are in their shadow to be able to embrace and integrate that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I've done a lot of work on that and gotten to this beautiful place of really knowing who I am, right. And really integrating those parts of myself that I don't quite like, or the parts that I see reflected back at me through other people, those triggers, those things. Right. And of course it's not done. I'm still doing it. It's, you know, it's a constant process, but now I know how to do it versus just looking at it and being frustrated.
0: Mm, yeah, and a lot of what you're saying is, is mirrors my own experience, and I also wondered how like there was no one who understood what I was going through, and and it took a long time to even just identify my symptoms. <laughs> mm, and, yeah, and you know the information is out there, but I just wasn't tuned into it to be able to find it. And yeah. so it sounds like you too, you had to go through all that on your own. Sounds like your your mm-hmm. sister was there maybe.
1: Yeah, she was there, but our journeys have been different in a lot of ways. And uh, I always make the comparison that we kind of leapfrog each other. So there are times when she's sort of ahead of me and there's times when I'm sort of ahead of her. Now it works out great because if I experience something, I can kind of turn to her and be like, oh, hey, by the way. This just happened. So if this happens to you, this is what happened. And she can do the same for me. But back then, neither one of us knew or were able to navigate what was happening with the other. And we weren't really on the same energetic wavelength and also trajectory of life. Like she was married and had kids, and I was single and going clubbing. And you know what I mean? So like we had two like totally different lives at the time. So Yeah. yeah, it does make a difference when you have somebody else there, but Quite frankly, the information needed to find me like you were talking about. Like I had to find people who knew what I was going through because she didn't really understand the twin flame thing. She didn't understand what I was going through. She just thought I was hung up on this toxic guy and, you know, that it was just completely my issue to basically work through. Let's put it that way. So it wasn't until I found a community on YouTube that really kind of helped me understand what was happening and- how I could actually move through it. Mm,
0: Yeah. yeah. It's always such an incredible moment when you find others who are experiencing or have experienced the same thing and just the power of feeling heard and understood and not feeling like you're the crazy one and no one else is going through this. So that's why we're talking about this. And what you're saying also dovetails into how that then becomes our purpose. And how is that to turn the corner to where you actually embrace all this and run with it? And now this is your new you.
1: I mean, it's been gradual. It's been super, super gradual. So looking back on the journey, I can see the trajectory and how it's come into fruition. But while I've been going through it, I've literally been like looking at my metaphorical watch going, come on universe. uh, When is stuff going to start happening? Come on. Like, And that is one of my things that I'm working on in this lifetime too, is patience, patience and trusting the flow of my life and the flow of the universe. And so I've owned my own business since 2005. I was a designer for 22 years. So I was very much like a go, go, go in my divine masculine energy. And so right now, my current state is to sit in my divine feminine energy. So I'm sort of practicing that. I'm getting really good at that. And then it's going to be, you know, about balancing those two and learning how to use one and the other when I need to, that kind of thing. So it's been, when I look back on it, the amount of change and transformation is insane. It's incredible to see difference in the person that i was even five years ago to now but while i've been going through it it's been like seriously come on why is this taking so long so it's you know it's that that push pull between looking into the the future and the past and not being present in the moment and not being able to appreciate that oh hey maybe at this moment i really need to just sit in whatever feelings i'm having and move through them and Once I discovered that, that I was almost creating my own suffering between living in the past and living in the future, that I was like, oh, okay, so I need to sit with this and I need to experience it and I need to move through it and then go through the Rolodex in my energetic field of all of the things that I pushed into the the background bring those to the surface, feel those, let those release. So that's, that's kind of what I'm in the process of doing right now is kind of going back in the Rolodex, like really, really far back in that fine tuning and saying, oh, right. There was that thing. Like when I was a kid, that was a belief system that totally wasn't mine. Like, why is that even there? Oh, okay. Bye. You're gone. You know? So now that process is super quick, but over the course of time, it's been like, okay, that might've taken six months before. Right. But now it's, it just takes a much shorter amount of
0: time. Mm, Yeah. And so when something reveals itself, shows itself, uh, releasing it and letting it go, that sounds like it's really quick now. What do you do? Are there any Tips and tricks around getting those things to surface in the first place, or or do you just wait for them to show up? I don't know.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, if you were to talk to my guides, they would be like, "Um, we drop anvils on her head. We like, you know, it was funny because I was talking to another friend of mine who is a very gifted medium and we were just talking about some stuff. It was funny because she was like so like anti the twin flame concept. She just thought it was a little crap or whatever. And she just recently met her twin flame. And so she called me and she's like, oh my God, I understand now. And I was like, yeah, you know, it's okay. You'll get through it. It'll be fine, <laughs> you know? So like, um, so we were talking about that. And then all of a sudden she's like, well, your guides have been trying to get your attention and you're not paying attention. They have a message for you. And I was like, oh, oh okay. So I connected in and what they showed me was, they showed me like a marathon and the finish line. And they showed me five feet before the marathon finish line sleeping. And they're like, that's you right now. And I'm like, really? They're like, yeah, you're, you've got five feet before the finish line and you're not doing your work. And I'm like, oh, okay. So like I had been so caught up in helping my clients and doing all the client work and everything else that I literally had been neglecting what they were trying to tell me over the course of, I don't know, the last several months. So I was like, okay, fine. Okay, I'll connect in now. I'll connect in. So I did, and they showed me what I needed to work on. And then in the last few weeks, I've been having dreams about the things that I need to work on. And I'm like, I wake up and I write it down. I'm like, oh, right. There's that thing too. Okay, cool. So I'll sit down and go into that beautiful meditative space. And I will sort of identify, first of all, if whatever it is I'm working through is mine. So the one recently that I was working on was this feeling of unrequited love, okay? And I can trace it back to, this boy i had a crush on in second grade you know so that was the prompt that i got in my dream was this boy i had this crush on and so i started looking at it and saying okay is this something that was mine at the age of 2 well no it really wasn't okay was this something from a past life absolutely was and was this reflected back at me through my father yes Was it true that my father didn't love me? Absolutely not. He absolutely loved me. So, you know, kind of going through and working through it in that way to be able to identify the truth of where that came from. And then I do a little bit of timeline work for myself where I will talk to that second grade version of myself and ask her like what it is she needs right now. Like what does she need to feel loved and safe? And do a little bit of energetic work around that and then allow her to stick around because even though those fears are there, even though those shadow sides are there, it is about embracing them, not pushing them away. So for me, being able to really say, you know what, even though you feel this way, I still love you anyway, you know? So that's kind of my process in general of how I work through each of these things. Mm -hmm. But like I said, it's just a matter of, If my guides can get my attention enough for me to know which of these things I need to work on at any given moment. But, you know, a lot of times people will reflect those things back at you. So especially in the twin flame journey, like you said, your twin is going to be your mirror. So they'll trigger you in certain ways. So you'll be like, oh, there's that wound. They know exactly where to poke that wound. Right. So when that wound is being poked, you're like, oh, okay, cool. All right. So then now that's what I need to work on. So that's the difference in where I am now versus in the beginning of the journey. In the beginning of the journey, I would have gone full diving headfirst into that wound Mm. and I would be there for a good long while. So, Mm. you know, a couple of weeks, a couple of months, like crying, upset, you know, smoking Mm. cigarettes, drinking coffee, like Mm. the whole vices that you use to be able to cope with emotions you don't know how to deal with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. There was so much in there, some inner child healing, some iron Katie, like uh, truth worksheets, recognizing that it's not the person or the situation that's to blame, but that triggers are pointing to something inside of us. Just to get to that point and see that as an opportunity, and and, right. and in the broader spectrum as like this is how life is designed to work. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And, and and the things we're in resistance to most, which is basically our healing and our expansion, learning to embrace that and getting to the point where you're just working with it now. So I had a question when you described going from resistance to change at first. And Mm -hmm. um, because when we were more in our static, rigid belief structure life, we just thought We had things under control and things didn't change a whole lot. They might change every Mm -hmm. few years, but we weren't aware of this ongoing changing nature of life, of ourselves, of energy and the transition to no longer longing for, you know, when is all this work going to stop? I want to go back to a static understanding and grasp on life. Where at what point did you just start to just fully embrace this changing nature of everything?
1: Well, I can't say that I've fully, fully embraced it yet. I mean, I'm still working on that. I think a lot of people have fears about a lot of things, but the one thing that we fear the most is not knowing and uncertainty. I think that's the thing that is the most scary for us, which is why we go into the future, we go into the past, is because if you're sitting in that uncertainty in the the moment, it's just like, oh my God, what's going to happen? Oh my God. Okay, I don't know what's happening right now. I feel very ungrounded. I don't, you know, you start getting into that space of like, okay, well, I don't know how this is going to unfold for me. And now I've released control of how that's going to unfold. I'm taking the advice of my guides, I'm following the flow of my life, but now I feel like I'm flying blind. So, what do I do now? So, there are still elements of that I'm not really super comfortable with, right? So like there are times when I'm like, I want to know. And my guides are like, sorry, we're not going to tell you. Y- you just got to live it. You have to let the the surprise come. You have to let the things unfold, especially once you get your psychic gifts, like super honed in and you can kind of see potential timelines in the future. It can be really tempting to start like looking into those. And yeah, it's great to do that. Just to give yourself a heads up if you're going in the right direction, but you know, those are all potential timelines. There could be something that pops up that is like 10 times better than what you could have ever thought of. Hmm. So to be okay with all of that change, to be okay with the potentials out there that you've never even thought of, that could be so great, which that's happened to me so many times where it's been so much better than I could have ever imagined. But yet that fear kind of keeps you stuck and held back into that place of smallness and lack of freedom lack of expansion all of those things so for me personally it's very much about being aware it's about being aware that oh okay i'm in that space of retraction and feeling scared that something is not going to happen the way that i want it to or whatever it happens to be or i'm not trusting in the flow of my life and i'm not trusting my intuition So you kind of have to feel into your body. And my body always tells me, it always tells me when I'm going in the right direction or I might need to course correct. So it is about that trust. And trust is sometimes a really hard thing to really have until you start experiencing the things over and over again. For me, I tell a lot of my clients, like you have to experience this yourself. I can talk about this, hours on end you and i could have a conversation like this for six seven hours it would be fine but here's the thing unless somebody experiences it themselves you're not going to be able to integrate it so yeah i mean for me it is about the proof that is there of what i've experienced in my life and i know that i can trust do i doubt that sometimes yeah absolutely i'm human you know it just it happens sometimes where i lose that trust but then I can get it back pretty quickly again.
0: Yeah. yeah. All of that resonates so deeply. It's funny. I had like three or four questions that came up as you were talking and you would just answer each one of them <laughs> as <laughs> you're talking. <laughs> so so it's, it's pretty funny. It's, I think I love yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, but so you mentioned clients. If someone's experiencing all kinds of symptoms or situations, but they're not as connected yet to all of that, where do you begin to work with somebody or how do you approach something like that?
1: Yeah. Um, it's very much guided by my guides, their guides, and then I can feel the energy of it. So if somebody comes into an Akashic record session and I can feel a little bit of resistance there, I can immediately sense that there's either fear, like they're afraid of what they're going to hear, in which case I can sort of put their mind at ease that the guides are not going to tell them anything that they're not ready to hear. Right. And then, I can also feel the difference in the retraction or the expansion. So if there's somebody who I'm doing a session with who's super expansive, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a fun session because we're going to be co-creating together, right? It's going to be a flow that's just going to go really beautifully. But if somebody who's still sort of in the beginning stages of their journey and I can feel that, I know that, okay, I'm going to be basically holding their hand and I'm going to be guiding them through. And it's going to be only information that they're ready to hear, right? So what I do is not just Akashic Records sessions or sort of guiding, it is a combination of what I was talking about. So we do inner child work, we do timeline work, we do energy clearing, ancestral clearing. I do a lot of channeling from their guides. And so this sort of a combination of a a bunch of different modalities that I've gained throughout the years. and. So it just it just depends on the person and their guides are always very chatty and they're willing to tell me sort of where they are, what they're ready for. I often get the heads up as well, if there's gonna be something super challenging, even if they are able to handle it, they'll tell me ahead of time, they'll say, hey, this is gonna be a little bit of a challenging lifetime for them to handle. So just to let you know that this needs to be delivered in a way that they are able to receive it, mm-hmm. right? So, and usually in that case, I'll just let them take over and I'll say, okay, channel the information through me, just let them know the way that they need to know. So yeah, it really differs and it depends on the person, but I've never had a situation where the guides haven't been there, where they haven't been able to give me the heads up on where somebody is. And yeah, so I don't really know until I get into the session, how the session's going to go.
0: Yes. Which is like yeah. all of life works that way. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm perfectly happy trusting in that space. Like that's easy, (laughs) you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah, It's funny. It's like when you first start to connect and and really relate to your guides, it feels like having a, a, you know, the most intimate relationship with another five best friends. I remember I used to overwhelm my master teacher guide and, and drive him to tears because I was so high energy. So <laughs> it's funny stuff. So yeah, I, I was curious, I think you touched on it earlier, but is there really an end to healing? Because we go through our own stuff, a lot of which is already inherited and conditioned. Mm-hmm. We've got the family patterns, we've got the social patterns, we've got the generational patterns. Yeah, yeah. And so the work never ends because once we get to our own stuff, there's plenty more.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's a beautiful question and I'm sure everybody has sort of different answers for it. For me personally, what I've seen, have you ever seen the movie Soul, the Pixar movie? Soul is, um, is about a gentleman who is a jazz singer oh, and no. he dies and the whole movie is actually about the soul realm. Okay. So... I, I highly recommend watching it. I'm a huge Disney fan. My, my whole family, we're a Disney family. We've been going to Disney World since I was two, like every other year. So that's our family thing. That's kind of where I find my child and my joy. And there's a part in the movie where there's a, a place for lost souls. And the way that it's depicted in the movie is so beautiful because you have the soul and the soul is pure. But then there's just all this debris and gook and all sorts of crap, like just all around the soul. And in order to get to the core of who you are, you got to get through all of the debris and all the stuff that's around it, right? So this is my philosophy on it. This is what I've seen in the Akashic records is essentially that it is about clearing out all the debris that we pick up either through, like you said, ancestrally or through childhood or past lives or whatever it happens to be. And can we get to a place of, let's say, enlightenment or purity on this planet? I'm sure we could at some point. I don't think it's going to happen in our lifetimes. But essentially, when you get to that point, you're basically divine source energy in its pure form, right? So imagine a bunch of us walking around in pure form of divine source energy without any psychic debris or anything else. I mean... I think it will be beautiful when that happens, but I don't think it's happening right now. So to answer your question, are we ever done necessarily? I don't think we are in this particular incarnation. And it's just because in order to be able to clear all of that, we would have to be able to jump levels like exponentially, right? So if you think about our guides and what energetic level they're at, and you think about I don't know, the archangels, or you think about higher level energies or, you know, energies from other dimensions and things like that. You start getting into all of that. Like, I don't want to say that there's a hierarchy, but there is a a difference in frequency, right? So in order for us to be in that beautiful, pure divine source energy in human bodies, there's a lot of evolution that I think is going to need to take place. But that's just my philosophy. That's my theory. So, yeah.
0: It's so cool that you addressed the question that was on my mind (laughs) again. Oh, good. (laughs) Which is how would the pure high vibrating energy be contained in a physical body? We'd be vapor. Right. So for the body to then evolve, uh, or can it evolve in such a way where it it can contain us? (laughs) Yeah. That's something to think about.
1: (laughs) You know, when people talk about ascension symptoms, that's exactly what it is. Mm. It's about more of your divine source energy breaking through and being able to shine through and your body's like oh hey wait a minute I've got all this gook on me like I gotta get this off before I can actually handle this right so it's very much about like how your body evolves and changes as you start clearing all of this debris and so sometimes we get alarmed because Ooh, I'm in a better energy now. I feel better, but now all of a sudden my body's doing all sorts of weird things. And it's like, well, yeah, it's going to do that because it needs to shed physically that energy that you have just shed emotionally. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah. I always love it when you see somebody that you haven't seen, an old friend or something, and it's been a few years and they've just lived life and whatever, you know, ups and downs happened. And then you see the maturity, the deepening mm. that life brings, and, and they've changed. Their faces changed, you know, and there's something about them. And that doesn't entail anything, you know, some big awakening moment. It's just through the course of life, people change when you don't see them every day. Right. The shift. Over time, so that's really beautiful. Do you ever get bored when you're so connected and everything flowing through you? And yeah, sure, there's a few things to, to still work on. There are opportunities to expand into different areas, but once one has figured out how it all works, um, mm-hmm. and and you know the rules now and the benefit you'll get from sticking to the rules and and going with the flow and the greater current, does it lose a little bit of the challenge for you? Yeah,
1: I mean, I would say so because. And actually, I think this was a question that I had posed to you on my podcast as well, was that, like, how do you define who you are and what you like and what you do after your spiritual awakening? It's difficult because the things that I used to really love to do, I'm like, eh, I don't really care to do that anymore. It's fine. But, you know, I don't get much enjoyment out of it. And I kind of equate it with with this. It's like, you know, when you travel the world and you see things let's say, you know, you see this actually happened to me. So I went to New Zealand and New Zealand is an amazing place. And you see these enormous waterfalls and these huge mountains and this gorgeous, gorgeous countryside. And then I went to Hawaii after the fact and Hawaii is beautiful. I love Hawaii, but then the waterfalls were just like half the size and they weren't as majestic and they weren't as big. And I'm just like, Oh, okay, well, you know, they're fine, but they're just not as grand as, you know, the ones I just saw. So, it's not that they're any less beautiful, it's just the context, right? So, you know, once you get to this space of having this inner love, this inner connection, all of that, being able to experience things that are kind of not as connected, just sort of lose their luster, right? So for me, it's very much been about trying to find and seek out other things that I can enjoy doing because right now I enjoy hanging out and being in meditation. Like I love doing that, you know, I love being connected but we also need to connect to other people. So like you have to kind of almost force yourself to get out of your house and get off the cushion and like go and do something. And when you're doing that to be able to stay connected and I think here's the biggest key is because before we would look to these things people, places, events, whatever it happens to be to fulfill us. And so now we're going out in the world, not needing that to fulfill us. So then what do we need to, what what do we need to do that for? Right? Well, you do it for the sheer enjoyment of it versus having to get something from it. So that can be a really difficult shift because there's no drama anymore. There's no, oh, I'm getting this incredible feeling from doing this thing or going somewhere or whatever it is. It's like, you have that incredible feeling all the time now. And there's no, there's not as many ups and downs. And so, yeah, it can get, like you asked if, if it gets boring, it can get a little boring because you're just like, Oh, everything's just kind of like, okay. Kind of even keel. There's no sort of super low lows anymore. You know, of course, of course there can be in life, you know, you lose a loved one, you're still gonna grieve. You're still gonna go through those things. But on a general like everyday average experience, yeah, it can be tough sometimes. So I do have to force myself to like get out and just go experience things for the sake of experiencing them even though I don't feel the need to do it in order to feel fulfilled. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, that was beautiful. That was really beautiful, the whole bit. I hear that a lot about how people, they'll say things, well, don't you miss these highs, right? These emotional highs. And I might point out, well, that also comes with those emotional lows. You can't disregard that either, but they feel like they would miss that. And that's a perfectly legitimate concern. And I remember Mm. a little story of mine, I love music, I write music, I play music, and it's my big passion. Yeah. And so there's a lot of memories and and attachment in music and songs. And we all, you know, we long for the songs of whatever era we grew up in. And even if it was bad music, at some point, even that becomes beautiful, right? (laughs) Totally, yeah. yeah. (laughs) So there's attachment there and losing that attachment so that those songs no longer have that big meaning, right? Of Mm -hmm. I didn't want to lose that.
1: (laughs) <laughs> I totally every, understand that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and so it's, it's funny. I laugh at it now because it's such a small thing to be concerned about mm-hmm. it and the, the grandness of what you get. But uh, yeah, no, they're real concerns. So anyone listening, it's a very typical thing is to feel like one lets go of these things that are so meaningful. It's just we haven't done the work to find that meaning within ourselves.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm a huge music fan. I don't make music, but I've always loved music throughout my life. And so two of my favorite bands of all time is The Cure and Depeche Mode. And I went to see a Cure show and it was phenomenal. I mean, you can't mess with Robert Smith. He's an amazing musician. But like you said, the songs don't hold that weight anymore because for me, growing up, that sadness, that I don't know how to even describe it. It wasn't depression, but it's like a sadness, like a warm blanket that you wrap yourself in and it feels really good. And I know that sounds really bizarre to say that sadness felt really good, but it did. It's like, if it's your norm, if it's something that you're used to and you're listening to The Cure Disintegration, which is basically an entire album that is just heart-wrenching, like you know, it's that, it's that, Oh God, yes, this is awesome. Like this music, it just gets me in like you, you wrap yourself in it and it's, it feels good to be in the pain. Right. And that is something that I was so used to doing, but now going to the concert, I can enjoy the music for what it is and not be attached to that aspect of it and not be like, Oh, I'm going to wrap myself in that pain. It's like, no, that pain is gone from my childhood, but I can appreciate it for what it is now.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Do you think there's something about, at some level, we want to come into our bodies, but at another level, it could be, you know, shocking. And I I spent an extra month in my mom's belly because I didn't want to come out. And and then I had a lot of resistance for a long time. There's just being in this world. So I think there is some, despite the wonder of suddenly having all the senses and the shapes and colors and this physical experience, there is a rudeness to suddenly, finding ourselves in our bodies. And maybe it's yeah. just inevitable to then uh, have these attachments to that suffering or the pain of being here. And they're just built in challenges uh, of just being here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's And it's interesting that you say that because I have a really good friend here in Paris who just had a baby and her baby was for months just doing nothing but crying. And she was losing her mind. And I don't have children. I've not experienced it. And So I just kind of checked in and I was like, okay, so, you know, what's going on here? And the child told me that he, he didn't regret the choice to come back, but he was not happy about coming back. Like meaning that he was really happy being on the other side and that being on earth is hard. And he forgot how hard and how heavy and how challenging it all is. And so I told her, I was like, you know, give it about a month and a half. He needs some time to adjust. Like he needs to adjust to the, the heaviness and the weight of being here. And she's just like, okay. She's like, well, he doesn't regret being here. I was like, no, no, he doesn't regret it because he made the choice. It was his choice to come. It's just It's just that adjustment period. So that on top of all of the past life stuff that you bring with you, you know, your luggage, it's like you're going on a trip. So you bring your luggage with you. Okay, so this is the stuff from this past life that I have to deal with. All right, and so then this is a soul contract that I need to clear in this life. This is a vow. Okay, cool, I got to clear that too. All right, so ancestral stuff. All right, cool, I'm a light worker. So I'm going to take on all this ancestral stuff from this side and I've got to transmute all of that and clear all of that. Cool, I'm going to do that too all right, in the meantime, I'm still going to anchor in unconditional love on the planet and uh, all right, let's do this. And you're like all gung ho to do this. And then you get here and you're just like, oh crap, what did I do?
0: <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Speaking of past lives and I've done a lot of regressions work, but I was never able to accurately explain why experiencing the root or the beginnings of something that you're challenged by in this lifetime. Why re-experiencing or even knowing about it should necessarily help or heal and dissolve that current issue? Do you have any mm-hmm. insights on that?
1: Yeah. So it gives you context. So the way that I like to describe it is like your soul's purpose is like a book. It's a novel, right? Your life's purpose in this lifetime is a chapter of that book. So if you're just reading one chapter and you only know what's in that chapter and you have no idea what has happened before or what's coming next, you don't have that context. So you need to be able to know the context of what you're working on. So to be able to see the story arc of maybe the last couple of chapters are going to be able to allow you to see, let's say I started with this challenge of not trusting, then because of this mistrust, I hurt people in my life. I, you know, started down a path of being hurt and cheating and doing all of these things and whatever. Okay, so that was maybe the first lifetime that this pattern started. And then you look at the next lifetime and you're like, oh, okay, so maybe four lifetimes after that, I was able to then work on that. And so I've gotten better at that. Okay, cool. So I've gotten better at my trust quotient, let's say. So then let's say now you're in this lifetime and you can see, oh, I'm nearing the end of that story arc. So I'm working on this trust factor and I'm actually getting pretty good at it. This might be the end of this story arc. So you can kind of see in context where you are in the process of this healing of the pattern, where the pattern started and why, and sometimes seeing why the pattern started, you can actually eradicate that pattern almost immediately if it was not something you were meant to experience. If it was something you were meant to experience because it's part of what you're here to anchor in on earth, then of course, you're going to have to go through the whole process. But at least you can take a look at it and say, ah, okay. so I've been working on this for quite some time and I've had all these various different experiences. And now I'm in this place where I'm having to have this experience from this other perspective. So oftentimes it's about seeing the same thing from 15 or 500 different perspectives to be able to get the full picture of what you're doing and what's going on.
0: Mm, So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so powerful. And how can you tell what you're intended to experience versus one of those things that you can just let go immediately?
1: Mm. Yeah, that one's, it's hard to know unless you're in the records. So once I'm in the records, I can literally see, and I can ask, was this something that this person was meant to experience? So for example, a lot of people, and this is controversial, and some people have a really hard time integrating this information, but you know, we sign up for things in lifetimes that are challenging. So we might sign up to get killed in a certain way. We might sign up to have certain traumatic experiences happen to us, because we need to have the experience of it in order to move through something else. Or maybe we choose it because it's going to jar us into moving on, right? Maybe we're stuck in a particular pattern. So the thing is, is that in order to clear these things and to move forward and learn these lessons, you don't need an Akashic reader to tell you these things. We naturally clear these things on our own. It just takes a lot longer. To get an Akashic session, it just kind of tightens up that timeline a little bit and helps you have the tools to move forward much more quickly. So if you're in that space of, okay, so I asked for this particular trauma in this lifetime so I could break myself out of victim mentality or I could break myself out of whatever it happens to be, then we can see that that is something that you chose to experience in a lifetime. If at some point, and this definitely happens, you were just in the wrong place, the wrong time, some trauma happened to you, somebody killed you, something happened where it wasn't supposed to happen and then you're still sort of stuck in that, that's where those traumas can get cleared pretty quickly because they were not meant to happen to you in the first place. But what's really beautiful about the universe is that even though that may have not have been the plan, your higher self as well as the universe is like, oh, cool, okay, well, there's an opportunity, let's use it. Let's use it to to propel you forward in something else that you weren't planning on doing. So it's all beautiful. That's why when people say it's all divinely guided, it is, even the bad stuff it is, which kind of sucks to hear, but it's true.
0: Yeah, it sounds like even the universe is still in learning mode.
1: <laughs> 100%, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: And, and then also we haven't even touched on how like things that we think are happening to us are actually happening for others and we're being of service to them through our right. whatever misfortune. But uh yeah, there's, right. so there's so much there. That's beautiful. My Absolutely. goodness, We could go on and on and on, obviously. <laughs> I feel like it's I true. had a free, <laughs> free reading right now. I just <laughs> <laughs> thank you. If I didn't know beautiful. any better, that might have been my ulterior motive. But <laughs> so I want to it thank, totally works. Yeah, right, it totally works. So I want to thank you so much. Where can people find you?
1: So you can find me at infinitesoullove.com. And you can also find me on all social media at Infinite Soul Love 1111. And then, of course, the podcast, which is called The Heart of You. You can find that on my website as well as on pretty much anywhere you find podcasts. So, yeah.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. And I'll be putting all the links below our session. Uh, So please people check out Annette. She's incredibly, I mean, the energy, it's beyond. So (laughs) thank you for coming on. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you so much, Chris. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Hopefully we can do a part two and three and and beyond.
1: I would love that. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Awesome. And that's it for this week's episode, and what a powerful one it was. For the latest news and updates, please visit cirak.com, that's C-I-R-A-K.com, and be sure to grab some freebies and join my mailing list. You can also find me on social media everywhere, at Chris Cirak. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. Until next time, be happy, be free, and be you.